gracious hosts, unique lodging, and tasty cuisine. New Mexico bed and breakfasts are New Mexico true. Our innkeepers are as special as New Mexico, and we're sharing their stories. Read about them and plan your trip at nmbba.org. Hey, everybody. We are very excited to go back to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque is in the center of the state, the land of the enchantment. And we are going to go back to chat with Margie and Jean. They own Sleepy Lobo Inn, and this is a full-service bed and breakfast right in the heart of Albuquerque. And what's interesting is we chat with them about a few months ago, uh, back in fall of 2023, right as they were about to open up their bed and breakfast after renovating this historic home. And now they're open. Uh, they're in what's known as the historic Knob Hill. Ooh. So welcome back, Margie. Welcome back, Jean. How are you? We're good. Thank you so much for having us. Correct. Hey, how are you doing, Jean? Pretty good, thanks. Hey, that's cool. So how is it? I want to go to you, Jean. Um, that's funny that I just said that because we're in Eugene working right now. As right. I said that, I was like, that's so weird. Um, how is it now? Like you've done all this renovation work to your bed and breakfast, right? How is it to like now open the doors and have people in the B&B? Well, it's been actually pretty enjoyable. The majority of our guests that started during balloon week and uh, following that week uh, were off, often international or uh, prior Navy military guys. So uh, we had really a really great time for a couple of weeks and entertained folks and took care of uh, all their needs. I mean, oh. it's cool to have the house that you just worked so hard on, I think. I mean, renovating a historic home is, I think, one of the special things that innkeepers do is they're keeping history alive. And I know we talked about that last time you were on the show. But when people start to come in, it's almost like the house warms up more, I feel, from old homes. What would you say, Margie? Does the house kind of like, oh, yay, people are here. They know I'm here. I'm alive, even though I'm in a historic home. Did, <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that yeah. did you feel that? Oh, my, absolutely. I mean, um, from the first uh, guest uh, who walked through the door and just loved the decor and the furnishings, it's, you know, furnished with um, antiques from Europe mostly and in the time period, you know, between the the 30s, 40s and 50s. And um, just hearing the stories, Gene, of course, is a historian, so he would talk so much about the history as we would give people the tour of the house. And um, it was really great to, you know, with all his work to see people appreciate all the little details um, of the house. And that was really nice. Um, I did a little bit of staging, you know, for the bed and breakfast. Um, and so it was, it was fun to kind of go through the history of the house through the special little furnishings um, throughout the house um, that we had when we first purchased the house. So um, that was really cool. Well, it's got to be also a little nerve wracking. I know, you know, I told you the last time we spoke on the show that Nancy and I um, have, have inset for friends and running in a B and B properly, like doing the the whole thing. And, um, and they keep saying, Oh, you want to do it one more time? Come on. 
And <laughs> then we do. And we did. I, I think actually after we spoke, we ran a bed and breakfast again. Um, it just keeps happening. And, <laughs> but there's a, it's so special and it's so nice to hear guests talk together. It's nice to share the history of the inn and be able to talk about a region. I'm not as well versed as the innkeepers, but tried, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but you, it, it's scary. Like there's a, you know, oh, it's happening moment. Did you feel that Margie? Like, oh, it's real now. Like pinch me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was incredibly nervous on my first breakfast. Oh um, my gosh. I, oh, cause you have to do it at the same time. Are you serving all at the same time? Yes. And, I, you know, oh. we had service sit down meal and, you know, um, I had, you know, cookies and, and, and things for the afternoon when my first guest showed up. And um, it's all that um, adrenaline that shows up where because they're so excited to be in a new place, like, you know, they're coming to visit Albuquerque. So that's fun. And we know a lot about Albuquerque because we have been Mm -hmm. here since 1994. And so that helps. Uh, So, they become so engaged up front and, and I was so worried about the breakfast and I didn't need to be because we had so much fun just talking through everything that they were just happy about all everything. It, yeah. it didn't matter what I served them. It didn't matter um, what room they were in. So far, every guest has been so excited and, and enjoyed their stay. And then, you know, let us know about it. And, you know, we, it was funny because we became like best friends with Mm -hmm. uh, our first guests and they live in Germany. And then we had another um, visiting professors and they offered to host us in Japan, you know, so um, we really established just a great little um, friendship, I guess, with our guests, Mm -hmm. Um, right off the bat, it's like a rapport and it's, it's really, really fun and rewarding. Uh, I never expected it to be, um, so easy, um, in that respect. Well, it's, 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 it's a lot of work. I want people to understand that when you sing it in the end, the innkeepers are working their butts off, literally. I mean, the cleaning, the cooking and everything, getting up early to make sure that French toast was, you know, ready and, and, you know, marinated overnight and all of that. Um, but I think what you're saying is, is really true. You know, guests that come to B&Bs want that interaction. It's more about that immersive experience. You know, we've been on both sides for, you know, many years, as you know, and you both have too. And I think what's interesting about, you know, international guests are like, yeah, truly come over. I mean, our innkeeper friends have actually ended up going overseas and staying with the couples that have come to the inn. It happens. Uh, one of our friends who's since retired uh, as a BMB, she was a farmer. So her inn was um, on a farm, her organic farm. And <laughs> she said, you know, she loved the farming and she took it over, over a divorce. Scandal, scandal. Um <laughs> And she was like, no, I want the workers to have clean working environments. So she took over the farm as an organic farm. And man, she, she could cook. Uh, oh, Andrea, hello. Shout out to you. Uh, she's retired now. But she said it was one of, she's you know been a teacher. She's done all these things. 
but she said the innkeeping, she loved it. She loved it when guests came down in their pajamas for breakfast. She knew that, you know, uh, I think she's a grandma at heart for sure. And she just said, you know, I had the world at my breakfast table. I had college all over again, even though she taught. You know, she sat down and listened to people from around the world come to her inn and share stories. And she's like, I have the UN here. So, Jean, did, did you feel that a little bit with the opening of the B&B? Uh, yes. Well, like I said, it was a, a really interesting thread with the uh, opportunity to meet different folks from different countries. Uh, that's kind of what happened. And so we had folks from Scotland, from Okinawa, wow. from Ireland, from Germany, obviously, were our first guests. Uh, and then we had a, a bunch of folks, uh, some were already some through people we knew through the Navy. And then some, ironically, were we found out were retired Navy when they got here. So uh, all those connections happened almost right off the bat. I mean, within 15 minutes of people pulling in the driveway. And, you know, then uh, end of balloon week, we, you know, had the fireplace roaring in the living room and everybody kind of sat around and talked. And uh, a lot of friendships were made, not just with us and the guests, but within the guests themselves. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. compared notes and, you know, where, where was the best place to go eat. Uh, balloon week was definitely unusual because we had to get up at three o'clock every morning to make sure that our guests got up <laughs> because mm-hmm. if you're yeah. not familiar with the Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta, you have to get there. You have to leave here no later than five, preferably around four, four thirty to get there in time. In to, the morning. To, exactly. To attend all the events. So Margie put together uh, uh, to go coffee cups for everybody. She put together some uh, breakfast that was like a brown bag. So people had something to eat. They could eat it in the car while they were waiting in line or they could eat it when they get there. Uh, and everybody really, really appreciated that. And uh, tied to that, in fact, was also the eclipse happened uh, at the balloon park as well as across the street here at the university. So uh, it, it it was just a really great time to have an opening of a bed and breakfast during the Albuquerque balloon fiesta. Yeah. And that eclipse, there was like, there's two and there's one coming up in April, right? I, I don't know how close you guys are to that. I know it goes through Texas. Um, but you're going to be kind of close then. Um, but it's really interesting. I mean, the balloon fiesta, this is an international event, right? So that's part of why you had all these international visitors. But I think New Mexico itself is probably one of, you know, there's, it's hard to say that, but it's because we are a multicultural country, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think New Mexico has this amazing multicultural history that just is so rich. Um, when you think about, New, you know, you've got Mexico, which why you're in New right. Mexico, the Spanish and the European history. Um, obviously, the Native American history is so huge. And you've got to get You're going to end up with guests that are going to the Pueblos, right, too, on, on those excursions. So when you think about all this mm. cultural history, it's it's pretty amazing and i i don't know how many you know there's people in albuquerque santa fe as well um that i there's going to be people from there but i think a lot of people move to your area too you know right i mean we we do have the military base but and and the university we have you know sandia national lab so 
We have a lot of things that bring people to the area for short periods of time from the work perspective and the education perspective. And um, definitely international travel is huge, you know, at Albuquerque. And so um, there, there's a huge, for, for me and for where, for us, where the bed and breakfast is located, it's, it's, it's prime for us because of the university, the proximity of the university mm. and the military base. Yeah. And I, I want to, yeah. yeah, I want, I want to go to Jean on this because I know that um, you're a retired veteran um, from the air force um, and you guys have traveled the world and done so much. You guys have such cool lives, um, but you're in the Knob Hill district and then near the brick light district, not the red light, the brick light. Um, Correct but you never know. Um, so give everyone a little bit of an idea of the history. I mean, Albuquerque seems to attract a lot of military people too, just in general. So what's going on there with history and military? Is it because of the airport? What, what the military base close by Los Alamos? Yeah, the airport, well, the, air, the, airport is, you know? the airport is just under three miles away from us and it shares the runway with uh, Kirtland air force base. Which okay. is also, which is the training, the flying portion there is the training for Air Force Special Operations. Uh, most of that is done here. It uh, has been for well, probably almost 30 years now, since the early 90s. And uh, before that, it was mostly uh, air rescue. And coupled with that, on, on the west, on the east side of the base is the Sandia National Labs, where they developed all kinds of things that people are familiar with, as well as a lot of stuff for the you know, Apollo program back in the day. And, and they have a lot of networking all over the whole base as well as uh, Air Force Research Lab is here. So they manage all the satellite programs for the Air Force. There's all kinds of stuff here. And uh, that keeps uh, people coming and going all the time. And then, of course, across the street is the university that has been here since the late 1800s. It has the largest uh, 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 theater uh, for um plays and you know broadway shows and stuff largest one in the state of new mexico is it's literally within walking distance about six blocks from us uh knob hill was started in the late 30s and it's one of the uh, more unique neighborhoods that's still on route 66 uh, which is going to be celebrating its 100th anniversary in 2026 and uh, we're gearing up uh all the way through that throughout the whole city because we're the largest stretch of route 66 in a major city that still exists. Ah, so there's a lot of yeah, that going we, on as well. Yeah, we talked with, uh, you know, uh, Kathy and Steve over at Bodger Mansion, and, you know, they have an actual Route 66 room, and you can see Route 66 from there. And um, I think it's really huge about Route 66. And these historic routes, I mean, they came in, and that ties back to military history again, right? Because of Eisenhower doing World War II, he was like, okay. Sorry, we're going to put Highway Interstate 40 in. Tanks need to be able to roll. And um, Route 66 kind of got overshadowed, not only by that, but the war itself, right? And so the tourism, even though road tripping was at that heyday, kind of slowed down. And then the resurgence happened. And you know, Nancy and I covered this at the beginning where Arizona stood up. And it was uh, Seligman stood up and said no we want this back and they needed it as a community and to see now like new mexico and albuquerque and all i i think we've probably driven most of it 
by now on our tour, you know, as we travel. But these historic roots, just this nostalgia and the neon signs that you guys have. I know I talk about it when Steve and Kathy come on. When you guys come on, I'm serious. Like, you guys have good signage versus um, a lot of other places that have lost their neon signs. And, you know, it's just um, refreshing to have that, especially in the Southwest. I feel I don't know why it is about... Why do I want the signs in the Southwest more than anywhere? I don't know, but it kind of feels like maybe it's a Hunter Thompson thing. I don't know. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe I shouldn't talk about him. I don't know, but he's cool. He's trippy too. But there's something about the Southwest and those signs that kind of gives you the vibe you're in the Southwest. I know we have them across the country and they're going away as well across the country, but in the Southwest, having the neon sign just kind of is part of that nostalgia factor Gene, what is that gene what <laughs> i don't know what it is but well, that, well um, they are doing a lot of they're going to recondition a lot of the signs uh the particularly the neon uh along the route uh, that's kind of a objective already that they've started and there's a new visitor in fact new mexico's uh, route 66 visitor center is only just recently opened and it's at the top of nine mile hill on the west side of the city uh right off the interstate so it's going to have a tap room people can have something to drink and what look at a visitor center with beer really yeah isn't that kind of an interesting twist on something but uh yeah the uh real real bravo uh brewing is going to have a tap room there and it's completed i don't not sure if it's open yet it wasn't open when we were last there a few months back uh, they're just getting it open because it got delayed with the pandemic. Uh, and everything. No, so, no. But I mean, I, when I say finally, it's not finally on Albuquerque. I just, Nancy and I always said, you want us to sit and plan, you know, you get to a place. Sometimes you end up on a, and Albuquerque is definitely a road trip destination because of the highway. It's not only Route 66, but, you know, I-40. So you right. are a major place. And so sometimes you have those spontaneous, like, moments of hey let's go on a road trip and please people do it (laughs) do it and then you get there and you're like oh oh where what and how right and yeah you can get on your phone and of course it's all there but a visitor center i always said they need to have you know beer and margaritas and visitor centers everywhere for people to sit actually look at the brochures and and figure out and have someone tell you what's going on so now it's act that that's why i said finally I'm not saying finally on Albuquerque. I'm saying, like, can we get more of this across the country? This is act. This is unique. I don't think we have that many visitor bureaus serving beer. And it's that's the first one I'm aware of, unless you have like a regular restaurant or something that it's that is attached to it. But this is like a visitor center, and it's unique. And and its location is ideal because it's at the top of Nine Mile Hill. So if you're traveling eastbound, arriving, you know, on Interstate 40, uh, you're roughly nine miles from the city, I guess you could say. But it sits up on the top of the Mesa. So when you stand on the second floor of this thing, you can see the entire city of Albuquerque, the entire wow. city of Mount Range. It's really, really pretty. It's going to have a venue for weddings as well and stuff like oh, that. Oh, so, no, that's um, smart. It's it, so, it, it's kind of a big project. It's been in the mill for uh, six or seven years now, I guess. And it's they're just completing it up and starting to get, you know, displays and stuff like that, exhibitions wow. and things in there. Wow. Um, wow. I, okay. So we're talking about beer and food and everything. Weddings. I know that's a big deal. 
And there's a lot of elopements and small weddings happening in bed and breakfast. And so I do want to remind everybody, um, you can go to nmbba.org to look at all these amazing bed and breakfasts across the state. You know, New Mexico, I say the land of enchantment was the best title for it because the state is enchanting. And every time I go through New Mexico, something unique pops up, you know. Sure. Um, the last time we drove through, which wasn't that long ago, actually, we drove from Lubbock up to Oregon, Eugene, <laughs> where we are. And um, it was quite a road trip. Uh, there was snow coming. We like, I, I don't know what to say about weather people and whatever, but, um, it was interesting. But we, we did wave at you. We waved at Steve and Kathy and we waved at both of you and also <laughs> ran over and uh, visit Albuquerque. We're waving, um, and went, you're getting snow. And I think you got a dusting of snow when we left. We didn't do it. We just drove yeah, we got by some actually time. earlier this week, and we got we're supposed to get some tomorrow on Sunday. And the mountains up north, well, from Santa Fe north, I mean the Sandias are white, but the ski resort did not open there, and I don't think it will this year. But Santa Fe has got I think eighteen inches last week, and of course Taos is open, and uh, down south at uh, oh yeah. sorry, I forgot the name Red River. Uh, no, no, Red Red, River. Red River's open as well. That's the most northern place we have. That's almost to Colorado. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the From one down water. at uh, Rio Doso, they're uh, open as well. So that's the most southern, wow. I think, ski resort in the country. And uh, wow, and, and that's open. something people don't think the Southwest has snow. Oh yes, it does. The temperatures oh, yeah. do drop. And I remember we drove through Albuquerque, and just as the snow was about to hit. And then got into Gallup and the Gallup was like, I'm going to get you too. keep going, you know, because of our driving across country. And we got into the Sierras and the same, we just bypassed it all, but it was magical. You know, the, the weather, I think snow and I love weather. I'm a weather weirdo. And I, I think, you know, the beauty of going to a bed and breakfast is the B and B knows what's happening. The, you know, innkeepers know, okay. Um, if you can get here early, we'll make adjustments as best we can. Um, if something's going on weather-wise, at least you can hang out in, you know, the library or the parlor or depending on, you know, the living room. Basically, um, while a room is being cleaned, if you're early, but it's, uh, it's just like really nice if you've been driving through weather hell, because we all are going through that right now as travelers to get to an inn and know that you're warm and cozy and that Marjorie's going to give us cookies. Right. <laughs> I want the cookies. I want to hear about the food now that you guys are open. What's going on? Like food wise, what's breakfast like? What's a, like a menu that you've done that, that we can yeah. talk about. I, I'll tell you, well, Gene's gained a few pounds because I test all my recipes on him. He's not complaining, right, Jean? No. It's okay. <laughs> um, it's okay. Yeah, I love I love to cook, so this is great, and I'm constantly looking for new things. And I have a couple, you know, like signatures for for the B and B here at Sleepy Lobo, um, and one of them is uh, I do a really great Gouda cheese and broccoli quiche mm. that has a hash brown crust. Um, that is, it looks really impressive. Um, it's not terribly difficult to make, but it looks really impressive and it's so delicious. 
and I I serve it with a side of green chili hollandaise, which everyone, you know, I have to worry about people with, you know, the different diets. And so I try to make my main course always separate from uh, a meat Mm. uh, side. So, you know, I'll serve it with ham steak. Uh, this particular dish I serve with with a ham steak, but I serve it on the mm. side. So if you don't want to eat meat, you want to stay vegetarian, then um, that's easy to do. Uh, also, you know, gluten free. Um, I do keep that in mind. So I make a green chili hollandaise, but I serve it on the side so that I you want can that. have a little I bit of the heat or not. Can you and, can send it? I want it now. Oh, yeah, it is. I it want is it. A really <laughs> simple recipe, but it is. So delicious. And mm. no one at the B&B like uh, said, no, I'm not going to have it. And and I make it in, you know, mild to medium spice mm. because, again, people who come visit aren't really used to the chili, but everybody loved it. Um, and then, you know, I try to alternate between an egg dish and and something different. Um, so that, you know, some people don't like, you know, the same things every day. And so I have a blue corn, orange zest, um, waffle that I make with fresh blueberries and I top it with pecans and an orange honey butter with an infused blueberry maple syrup. Are you, what, what, what is going on? And I don't like, I'm not particularly a waffle or a pancake fan. I much prefer eggs and things like that. But um, when I made these the first time and I sourced my blue corn locally at, at this great market called Fruit Basket. And um, it is so delicious. I'm telling you. And pecans, everyone are a New Mexico staple. Yes. Yes. I, I do try to keep that. A, a sliver of New Mexico in everything I make, but I don't want to compete with the incredible Mexican food that is here in Albuquerque. Mm. So I stay away from breakfast burritos and those kinds of things. Um, yeah. I do have uh, uh, one other dish that's a signature that I love to make. I make it with a puff pastry. I make a, a breakfast calzone with mushrooms mm. and asparagus. That has, again, um, a little bit of a hollandaise served alongside um, with potato fingers. And what? I have green chilies or uh, salsa uh, to. Okay, I'm moving with, in. Okay, you know. I am moving in. Like, <laughs> honest. Well, I think I think it's interesting what your dishes are, you know, because you you are going with the sweet and savory, too. You have a good balance with them. And. And I also think that you've got a good way of easing someone into the culture of New Mexico. Like you're saying, you don't want to compete with what, you know, New Mexicans are doing in their restaurants, right? Right. But you're easing people in if they've never been to even America, right? You want right. to have that little bit of like, okay, I I know I want to go in, do the local thing and try local stuff, but can I just have breakfast be normal? Right. 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 And I, and I'm very mindful. Um, you know, breakfast always starts out with, you know, uh, uh, a Greek yogurt and some fresh fruit or fresh homemade granola or, um, in the wintertime during balloon fiesta, 
I did a lot of, um, you know, oatmeal with fresh fruit and those kinds of things, you know, more of a warm kind of a starter before the main course. So um, those people who, you know, a lot of people are watching their diets, I will tell you. And so I always Mm -hmm. had pastry, but um, people weren't, you know, excited to eat a lot of pastry. They, they really wanted to get to, you know, more health food. So, you know, I, I do a lot of the little breakfast bowls to start out with, with fruit and grains, um, because people really like that. Uh, avocado toast, uh, oh. poached egg, you know, people are really into those foods. And, and I'm very mindful when someone comes, I do ask, you know, what their restrictions are, if they have anything that they shy away from. And I can easily adjust my menus to support that. And and part of the way I can do that is because I have these kind of different courses that help me be able to give you a a hearty meal, but the kind of meal that you want Mm. for your diet. um, Right. But that's so, I mean, that's so much work. And that's what I want travelers to know about the care and love that goes into it. I mean, it, it is, it's like, I mean, I think Nancy and I doing this in sitting really gave us a good run of understanding and also the love of seeing travelers being happy. Uh, when someone has a, di- you know, they, they all got emails. You have, <laughs> you got the emails about dietary restrictions and then suddenly they have a dietary restriction they didn't say and we went through this and and yet then people would change and you change according so you want people to be healthy and have fun but i did see a whole group that didn't want to eat the bacon start to eat the bacon right so i'm just saying because you're on vacation have some fun so there's this balance and and good innkeepers watch know talk communicate do the best they can for their guest to accommodate. And then when somebody goes, you know what? I do want to be naughty. They go, we can make, we can make it naughty for you. You know what I mean? If you want that, here's the syrup, you know, and sometimes you can have the sugar-free syrup or whatever. So it's, it's a very interesting thing because people want to stay on their thing. And then they go, once you see people relax into their vacation, you see them go, you know, I really, should just have fun if they physically can. Some people cannot. So I think you guys, that's why my hat is off to you because it's so interpersonal, you know, there's personal, but there's interpersonal of understanding and trying to do the right thing. Um, I think. And it's a balance. It's a balance. I mean, I, you know, I've had guests, I had two guests that one was a vegetarian and the other was, you know, the, the big guy, the meat eater, the hungry, hungry man person. And um, they complimented each other very well because, you know, I, in that case, I didn't put the meat on, on the plate. I put it on a side plate and, you know, uh, the gentleman helped himself to as much as he wanted, kind of like a buffet, but I, I like a served meal and it just balanced out. And I made her uh, some extra, uh, food to go alongside her main course just to make sure that her tummy was full, but right. that it was more in line with her diet. 
And that's really worked really well. And I have basically probably a 10-day menu where I don't repeat anything, but very Mm. different meals so that if somebody stays for an extended period of time, they do get the ability to to taste a lot of different foods um, with that local flair um, that I love to make. And um, I I really enjoy that. So um, Mm. I, I look forward to, you know, every day putting something different in front of someone. I want to go to Jean. Jean, um, I know that you've been doing a lot of tasting. Is anything specific for you on a meal that you go like, I want more? Can can these guests come so we can have this on the menu? <laughs> uh, actually, one of the best things that Margie's come up with is the blue corn uh, waffles. And she kind of uh, puts uh, with, with like an orange zest that goes with it. Like and that, that has been that has been really really good. That's been one of the favorite things I think so far, and everybody seems to like that. And, and then they request it uh, more than once. Well, there's and, a uh, technique to zesting too. You can't over zest. You have to. Yeah, there's just, a yeah, balance. Well, it, it just comes out. It just gives it a really good good flavor. And then uh, she's also done a really great job with a lot of the baked goods, whether it's the scones or the puff pastries with you know apricots and uh, just Ooh. all kinds of stuff that. You know, everybody you know, it's should, everybody's enjoyed it so far. I, we've heard, I, had no complaints from anybody about any food issues. Well, I do believe that um, it's National Apricot Day, uh, or maybe it was. I, I could be <laughs> wrong. I, no, we're past Apricot Day. Sorry. But it's in this month. It's Apricot Month. January is National Apricot Month. So Apricot Jam, Apricot nice. Preserves, Apricot Bring It. I'm in. I want it. <laughs> I want the apricots. And that's something that is also New Mexico, I believe, apricots. I think there, there's yeah. some local. Oh, yeah, A- apricots and, and pecans and and the particular pastry Jean's talking about, I do it. It's an uh, uh, apricot and cheese and almond pastry that is to Ooh. die for that. I, I have to keep myself away from it because it's so mm. yummy. Oh, um, you know, <laughs> I'm so in, I I'm in stuff. because you got that balance of sweet and savory. See, that's the thing. I think it, does that come from living in Germany that you understand that from there? I yeah, think we, yeah. I definitely, and, and the culture now people are shying away from a lot of sweet. So I tend mm-hmm. to, my pastries aren't super sweet. Um, I don't put, you know, tons of sugar glazes on them at all. But I use fresh fruit, like, you know, um, the apricots or, you know, quality preserves and those kinds of things. Uh, again, with with the meats and, and, and the vegetables that I use, I try to use um, fresh and local, and that helps with the flavor. Um, and it you don't need to sweeten uh, something mm-hmm. when it has a really great, uh, strong flavor. Um, and that's, mm. you know, in addition, you know, we serve pinon coffee, which is very, you know, New Mexican, um, oh, yeah. and, and, you know, English teas, not, not New Mexican teas, but British teas, uh, because that's my favorite, but, but, you know, pinon coffee and it, it's proved to be really, um, exciting for people because they typically would not 
try that. And, mm-hmm. you know, here I'm like, look it, you know, if you don't like it, you can have something different. Mm-hmm. And so people are, you know, our guests have been really great in providing me feedback because mm-hmm. we are a brand new bed and breakfast. Um, this is all new and I really need the feedback um, to, you know, to know what to improve upon and make sure yeah. everyone has a comfortable stay. And wow, they've been great. That's amazing that you're open about that too. You know, oh, business, absolutely. people don't want to hear the negative, but you have to, you have to hear mm-hmm. the negative, the positive, see what people want so you can cater. I mean, hospitality to me is so huge. You want someone there. You know, I, there's so much now that is so digital. Right. And so inter, not personal in hospitality that I don't feel it's hospitality anymore. And I know there's, you know, I was just doing a show on this actually recorded earlier today about it, about, you know, there's all the, what we call OTAs, etc. But I love New Mexico Bed and Breakfast Association because you can go on the site, look at the B&Bs, see who they are, go, oh yeah, this is where I'm going or this is my style, you know, maybe you'll go just according to the B&B, you know, to right. a, an area accordingly. Um, when you go to nmbba.org, everyone, big, big shout out. Because <clears throat> I think you, you can go on these big websites and you lose and everybody has to be part of it. We all know Big Brother and all that stuff. But same as Amazon, right? It's all right. the same. But... um. When you have an organization like you're part of and Steve and Kathy, and I bring Steve and Kathy from Bodker Mansion, they're in Albuquerque too. And I'm sure you guys are calling each other every time you're booked (laughs) up and need to send a guest to each other, you know, which is great. And Santa Fe too, because Santa Fe, you've got a lot of B&Bs in Santa Fe and, um, you know, so referring each other is great. And, but the website really does give people this way of going, Oh, I want to stay there. Now I can click. to the website of the bed and breakfast, which is so important because you're actually going to have someone at the end of that email and you're going to, you can do your online booking depending on who, what and where, but even making a phone call, you're going to have someone at the end of the phone that is not in a different place. I'm all for world and globalization of business and everything, but I want someone who knows what the heck I'm talking about. Honestly. Right. Right. And, and, and New Mexico Bed and Breakfast absolutely is there for you. Uh, we are very lucky um, to host uh, the association at our B&B because we were new um, at our annual uh, meeting. And it was it was mm. amazing. All the in innkeepers uh, in the state of New Mexico are they each have their own special thing that they bring. Uh, to their guests. And we did a lot of sharing and uh, discussions about how to improve uh, the guest experience from the bed and breakfast perspective. So that organization has been instrumental to us with the Sleepy Lobo to help us uh, make sure we're providing the best day possible. That's awesome. And you guys do work together. I know that. Because yeah. you can't, you, you, it's independence helping each other. And as a traveler, I prefer that. I prefer well, having you, that independence, you know. Go ahead, and it's, it's probably good to keep in mind, too, that through, through the next couple winter months, when everybody's excited about going out and skiing, that uh, we have bed and breakfast in New Mexico that are located in Santa Fe, Taos. Chama's pretty close yes. to Durango. 
if you know, so you can pretty much access all the ski resorts uh, uh, north of Albuquerque uh, via uh, bed and breakfast. Uh, so yeah, we've uh, stayed at one like Dreamcatcher. We stayed there in Taos, mm-hmm. um, and then we did. We actually were there. I think it was the same trip we went and stayed at Bodker. We went to Bodker and then we went up to Taos, stayed there and at Dreamcatcher, and and just you know, it was um, end of winter. So skiing was just over, but there was still tons of snow. And um, Nancy made me go on a road that the innkeepers told us not to go on. And um, oh. I'm still, I'm just telling you the the car is still being worked on to this day. Thank you, Nancy. <laughs> Listen to your innkeepers, people. They know the terrain. You guys know, oh, right. exactly. you've been there for years, right? You right. know the terrain. And when the innkeepers say, no, this is where you should go. When you want to do something, you must listen to the innkeepers. Because I'm just saying, don't end up on these roads in a place going, oh, we could just cross over here. No, go to the innkeepers. You guys are like visitor bureaus. And every time we do visitor bureau association shows, like visitor bureaus come on, I'm like, okay. I know about the resorts and the hotels, but can we talk about the bed and breakfast? Because I think it's very important. And one the other day just said, um, different state. And finally said, you know, bed and breakfast are like their own visitor bureau. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) we finally won. (laughs) We finally got somewhere because it's so true. The bed and breakfast are like, you guys are so on and like hands on. It, it's so huge um, to network with each other. And you're right. Going up north, Santa Fe, got Bobcat in. I mean, you've got so many turquoise uh, bear. You've got so many. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave anyone out. So just go to the website, people. It's really cool <laughs> that right. you work together. And then, and I got to give a shout out to Southwest New Mexico, which is often left off the radar. Uh, Becky, who has um, Casa de Heat, uh, Casitas de Gila. I'm going to get it wrong. Yes. I'm a little, I'm a little feverish here with the flu, but, um, she, she is sitting in the Gila wilderness and that is celebrating 100 years this year. So it's a big deal. Mm. Um, right. Actually, I think it's, I think I did this on a show the other day. It's either 100 or 150 or something, but it's a big deal. So, Go look at it because you guys are all over the state. It is a land of enchantment. You've got Billy the Kid history. You've got so much outlaw history. You've got mining history. You've got railroad history. You've got nature. You've got like, gosh, flamenco in your backyard, right? So I'm just saying when it comes to history lovers, most history lovers do want to stay in a bed and breakfast um, and have that experience. Nature lovers too, birding. You, uh, Bosque del Apache has got to be huge right now still um, with bird ears going out to see all the sandal cranes. So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot going on. Well, thank you <laughs> for being back on the show. And uh, hopefully we'll get to meet you soon as we travel back across the Southwest. And next time we won't go waving by as the snow flutters. And we that saw it coming. You, you Definitely stop by. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I want some of that green chili hollandaise sauce. I'm in. <laughs> um, but everyone, uh, go to the website nmbba.org for all the bed and breakfast, but also go to sleepylobo.com. And I'm also in the show notes going to put a link 
to the very first interview we did with uh, Jean and also Margie when they talk about the history of the inn. So you can listen to that too. If you're interested in going there, you'll hear some back uh, backstories about the actual building and the history and the renovation, which are really fascinating. Also gives a good history of the area and what you can experience in Albuquerque. But thank you both. All right. Thank you Sounds for good. having Thanks. us. Have a great day. You too. Gracious hosts, unique lodging, and tasty cuisine. New Mexico bed and breakfasts are New Mexico true. Our innkeepers are as special as New Mexico, and we're sharing their stories. Read about them and plan your trip at nmbba.org.